This is episode 88 of the Dear Discreet Guide Trouble at Work podcast. This episode is titled, Work-Life Balance, My Stories. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dear Discreet Guide Trouble at Work, where we talk about work, working, and how to make work better. If it's work-related, we're on it. Who knew talking about work would be this much fun? I'm Jennifer Crittenden, a former CFO and host of the show. And thank you for joining our quest to improve our workplaces. Let's do this. I object to the term work-life balance on principle because it always seems like a strange contrast to me. Like either work is death or work isn't part of life or something. It uh, always seemed like a strange term, but it is what everybody uses, so I'll use it today as well. I wanted to talk about this uh, not that long ago. In fact, I think I talk about this in my episode with Ann Crittenden about parenthood that a woman posted on our Nextdoor website, I really a plea for help. She said she was the mother of two and worked full-time. And her post basically was like, how do people cope with this? You know, I'm just overwhelmed and I don't have time to do all the things that I need to do. Does anybody have any tips or advice or help they can offer me? And it was such an honest, straightforward request for information like like hey how's everybody doing this is crazy you know childcare is really expensive and commutes are long and these are all just things that are part of our modern day working life especially in California and so it just kind of struck me like this is a real problem people really need help with this and then I remember also being struck when Lean In came out, how many negative reviews there were of that book where people are like, yeah, you lean in. You know, I'm already doing the best that I can, and now you're asking me to do even more? Like, get a grip. I read a book a couple of years ago called Overwhelmed, and it's written by a journalist, uh, her investigation of this problem between working too much and and also having so much to do in our personal lives. And so hers was really an exploration of who has free time, who doesn't, why, et cetera, et cetera. Again, you know, I was really struck by the negative reviews of that book as well, where it's true she does come across at times as being fairly privileged And the reviewers were commenting, you know, I wanted real helpful information, not just this kind of academic study of time and how we spend our time, which is, you know, probably the book wasn't quite marketed as well as it should because that wasn't what the book was about in general. So I thought today we would talk about things that worked for me, and I'm definitely not portraying myself as someone who was all that successful at work-life balance. I made lots of mistakes, Um, but there were a few things that I learned along the way, and so I thought it might be worth talking about things that I got serious about. Uh, So the first thing I would say, and you might not want to hear this, is you have to get honest about how you're spending your time, and you have to get ruthless. 
In terms of getting honest about how you're spending your time, I did talk about this also in the episode about productivity. And you really have to do an assessment of where your time is going, not just at work, but also at home. And then you have to decide what your priorities are. And if some things aren't a priority, you just have to get ruthless about cutting those things out. So you have to consider how you're really spending your time. If there are times at work when you're not as productive as you could be, which means that you're having to spend more time off work hours, completing your work. Uh, Also at home, how are you really spending your time? How much time are you spending on social media? How much time are you spending on your screens? And again, these are all priorities, but they help us decide really how we want to spend our time. And again, I'll repeat this again, but I won't dwell on it because nobody likes to hear it. The three things that are keys to a happy life for me are exercise, diet, and sleep. I know we don't want to hear those things, but to me, sleep is probably the most important because without sleep, it alters our ability to make good decisions and uh, determine how we spend our time and then being energetic enough to make to get the most out of the time that we've devoted to a particular task. So sleep for me was always key. Uh, Exercise also was very important for me because it reduced my stress levels, which again allowed me to be more calm and proceed about my day more deliberately and make better choices and make decisions about how I wanted to spend my time. And of course, we all know The diet is also very important for good health and good brain activity and for those other things about uh, sleep and exercise. Okay, I'll get off my soapbox now and and, uh, let you go on with your life the way you want. Okay, some tips for me. So uh, getting up 10 minutes earlier than I usually did just set my whole life on a better track. It just made life seem so much easier and so much better. And 10 minutes more or less of sleep is really not that significant. It's when you're losing a good hour to two hours of sleep off the recommended eight hours. That's where over time you'll see that that's quite detrimental. 10 minutes, that's not that big of a deal. Those 10 minutes can really help you plan your day and also make you more efficient so that you're organizing your schedule in the best way. It also gives you time to make decisions about the order in which you're going to do things. Am I going to do the dry cleaning after the gym, before the gym? Who who am I going to pick up when? Can I quickly organize a ride for my kid to go someplace so I don't have to do it? You know, that can really make a pretty big difference. Doing that the night before is also pretty helpful. I would often find that I could really rearrange things quickly, uh, not on the fly, but just in time, so to speak, and really make my day work a lot better the next day. Thinking about what my lunch appointments are and how I'm going to be able to transport myself or somebody else between places, really you know, tightening up the schedule in that way. Of course, if you have an administrative assistant, that person can be golden in your life and really help you organize things too. You can also use those 10 minutes to deal with food, and food is a constant problem in, a, in the life of a busy person, not just for yourself, but for your kids or other people that you're taking care of. So if you have a few more minutes to plan your food, grabbing some food, packing some food, 
figuring out lunch and drinks and snacks. Ah, that can pay off in spades the next day when you're not, you know, frantically running to grab something for a kid who's trying to get to a soccer practice. So organizing your food ahead of time can really save um, save you a lot of time and mental anxiety and also helps keep you healthy, right? Because you can organize better quality food. Second thing I would say you is that you must learn to get your work done during work hours. I can feel you rolling your eyes at me right now. Uh, but I would say, on, except for rare occasions, and, and I definitely had those, earlier in my career I spent a lot of time at work, including evening time, but I was single then, so I could afford to do that. As uh, my career progressed, fortunately, at the same time that I had children, I'm sure there were lots of things I could have stayed to do at work, but mostly I really tried to get my work done during work hours so that I could go home and be with my family. There were definitely occasions when I had to work all weekend or work all night. I mean, those things happen, but to chronically overwork, that's bad, and that definitely will harm your work-life balance. And we all know the dangers of overworking, the stress that brings, and then how resentful you become of your work. So figuring out how to get your work done during work hours is really key. And remember, this is your life. This is your limited time on this planet. And those work colleagues won't be there around your deathbed, but the people that you really care about and who care about you will be. And so those are the people that you want to spend your off work hours with. One comment I'll make, too, about time sinks, places where you might be spending more time than you realize, is working on your appearance. And I notice this a lot, particularly with professional women. They spend really a lot of time on their clothes and hair and makeup. And I just have to question if that's really where you want to spend your time. I know we all feel as though we're obliged to do that. But the difference between wearing clothes that don't require a lot of maintenance and wearing clothes that do is a pretty big difference in time and maybe not that much difference in appearance. Similarly, if, you're, if you have a hairstyle that requires a lot of maintenance and care, maybe you want to rethink that and go with a simpler style just to claw that time back into your life. Obviously, if that's a priority for you, have at it, have a great time. But you do need to recognize what it's costing you in terms of other parts of your life. I'll bring up here this idea about having to adjust your internal standards, because that's obviously a case where people want to look really nice at work, and they're willing to put in the effort, time and effort to accomplish that. But again, maybe you want to think about if that's really that important to you, that you want to sacrifice time in other places in order to accomplish that. I'll tell a story here. My mother told me that uh, a cousin's wife, who was a working mom with lots of kids, had two piles for laundry in each of the kids' bedrooms. And there was a pile that was dirty, and there was a pile that was clean. So she never folded laundry, and she never put it away in the drawers. She just had two piles. And I had this incredible reaction when I heard this story, like kind of shocked and kind of appalled, right? Like what way to live? And what if the kids got them mixed up, which my kids probably would, but also at the same time, kind of this shiver of delight, like, 
whoa, you can really break the rules like that, right? So it was interesting to think about that there might be creative solutions to ways in which we always approach our problems, right? That laundry always has to be folded and put away in drawers. I was really intrigued to hear uh, about people letting their kids sleep in their clothes. In fact, they would put their kids in the clothes that they were going to wear the next day, the night before, so that when they got up, they were already dressed. And and again, there's part of me that's a little bit shocked. Like, I was always kind of embarrassed if my kids slept in their clothes because, of course, they're supposed to sleep in pajamas, right? But then to think that that was somebody's actual strategy for dealing with getting kids dressed in the morning. It's like, okay, people are getting pretty inventive with this. And I would say it's really okay. You know, these are not the kind of things that are going to affect people long term or change the world in some detrimental way. Again, if you don't want to live like that, and that's a priority for you, that's great. But it's really, really hard to win mother of the year when you're a working mother. And so maybe we should stop trying to win Mother of the Year. In California, one of the things that really struck me when the kids were younger is the extent and expense and complexity of birthday parties here. It's just amazing how much effort the mothers would put into a second grader's birthday party. And it seemed kind of out of place, right? Like... In some cases, these were not working mothers. But if it's a working mother, to put that kind of stress on yourself is just a birthday party. They're probably not even going to remember the birthday party. It did feel as though there was some level of competition to it, which can be very dangerous. And We'll talk about that again in a few minutes. I would beware of stress. Things that cause you stress are going to cause you to question your work-life balance. And so... There are ways in which I learn to avoid stress. And that is, learn that you cannot teleport yourself from one place to another in zero seconds. That's not, <laughs> that's not the universe that we live in right now. So you have to leave plenty of time to get from one place to another. Once I finally figured that out at some advanced age, that did help me a lot. Because then you are, you're not constantly running late and you're not constantly stressed about because you haven't allowed enough time to arrive at a place and accomplish what you need to accomplish. And don't run on fumes, you know, get, get gas on time, uh, get sleep on time, you know, allow there to be this headroom and this buffer so that you're not stressed and semi freaking out all the time. And then I would say be ruthless about the activities that you take on. There's no point in joining a yoga class. If it stresses you out to get there and make time for it, then you actually get by actually participating in the yoga class. We also seem to have this thing now in our culture where we're competing on busyness. And so I remember watching a mother uh, at a school party unpacking homemade cupcakes and having this running stream of words as she was unpacking them about how busy she was and how difficult it had been for her to bake these cupcakes and the travel that she'd had to do. And there seemed to be this undercurrent of, you better appreciate that I made these cupcakes because it really caused me a lot of 
grief and difficulty to produce these cupcakes. And I, and I was watching her and thinking, maybe you just should slow down. I mean, maybe you should just buy some cupcakes. You know, why put yourself through this? And why do you feel obliged to share with us how busy you are? It's not particularly interesting. And I wondered what what that was all about, right? That That somebody feels as though if you're frenetic, that that's something that you need to share with somebody else. And I was just thinking, stop. I think there's also in Lean In a place where uh, Sheryl Sandberg was talking about arriving at school, and she was supposed to have brought something, maybe also for a school party. And I can't remember if she forgot or there wasn't enough or something. Anyway, her husband and her son had to go uh, buy uh, food to bring to this party, and they brought something terrible like Twinkies or, or something like that. And Cheryl was appalled, which so many of us would be, right? Except the husband said, you know, the kids enjoyed it much more than they would have enjoyed your healthy snacks. And it gives her a story to tell, too, right? I mean, it's really okay. This too shall pass. And I, I, I hope that we can learn to tell ourselves that, that it, it's really okay. My mother tells a story about uh, shopping at uh, Sprouts and running into a friend of mine, right, somebody my age who also is a working mother who was racing through Sprouts, grabbing things, stressed out, out of time, running late, and she <laughs> snapped at my mother, I suppose you're going to tell me that these are the golden years, None of us would have had the nerve to tell her that at the time. But those, those are the golden years. And so we do have to figure out how to make the most of them and not be cutting people's heads off because we're stressed out. I would also advise that we lean a bit more on our kids and partners and staff and ask for help. You know, kids can do a lot for themselves, brush their own teeth, find their own clothes, find their own blankets. Sure, you know, these may not be up to your standards, but maybe we have to lower our standards a little bit. In lots of families, kids, older kids take great responsibility for younger kids. And I don't know why we've gotten it in our heads that kids are just to be doted upon and, and coddled and they can't take responsibility for things. And maybe it's time for us to change that up a little bit and ask that kids find their own soccer socks and uh, remember to bring what they need to bring to school. It's all part of growing up. And we can't make ourselves crazy when we're trying to do everything for everybody in the household. I'll tell another story here in case this makes you feel any better. I remember uh, being at the pediatrician's office, and I think I had dashed out of work to grab my kid, take him to the pediatrician. And I was sitting in the office, you know, distracted. And the pediatrician came in and said to my son, I can see that you are having a really good day because you have a really dirty shirt. And I noticed that indeed he did have a really dirty shirt, like incredibly dirty. I just hadn't even noticed before how dirty it was. And then she asked him to take his uh, clothes off 
his shoes and clothes off uh, so that she could examine him. And he leaned down and pulled his shoes off. He was sitting on the floor and pulled his shoes off. And out of each of his shoes came this little pile of sand and dirt (laughs) on the doctor's room floor. Oh, I was so embarrassed. But you know, it's okay. I have a story to tell. It doesn't matter. Nobody got hurt because there was a little bit of sand on the doctor's floor. I tried to get the big rocks in place, right? Not to have the perfect Christmas card, but to have a place on my computer where I could throw important photos and just keep ahead of the real craziness, right? And instead of sending, you know, two or three hundred New Year's cards, maybe send 10 heartfelt emails on New Year's Day, because that's what you have time for, that's what you can carve out, and you try and go for what's meaningful and not what's complete. Make time for social events with your neighbors. Sometimes that means just having tea, just going for a walk, not having a big fancy dinner that will stress you and the kids and the spouse out. When we are planning for our events, They shouldn't be events that we come to dread because they've become overwhelming and they're so complicated and we're thinking about way too many details. You know, just let it go. Just have tea. That's really fine. Giving up on impressing people is a big deal. Trying for connections instead of some elaborate, impressive thing. So just go for what's simple and not a photo shoot. Focus on the important things like health, not overachievement. And I look at kids now that I watch them as they were growing up. Some of the kids that were pushed pretty hard and seemed like pretty high achievers seem kind of unhappy now that they're out of college. You know, I think being pushed when they were younger wasn't necessarily a good thing for them. And so when we're in these kind of high-achieving Uh, high-performing, high-stress environments, we kind of have to remember the kids, right? Remember the mental health of the kids and what that might be doing to them. You want to make sure that your stress doesn't carry over on them. Here's another one, travel. I have an article about time, uh, time management and travel, and also I talked about this a bit in the Work Hacks uh, Productivity episode. I think it's episode 84. If you can stop traveling, do it. Traveling is just terrible for you. From jet lag to rich food to screwing up your exercise routine, it's just a disaster. And I'll leave more of the details uh, for those articles and episodes for you to read. Uh, But there are a lot of ways that you can stop traveling so much, and that will help your life tremendously. I want to talk about food, because this is also such a source of, of stress and concern, especially now with people's diets and allergies and all kinds of uh, different sorts of foods. We are really fortunate right now to live in a time when there is so much great, healthful food available to us with very little preparation. And yet, I notice a lot of people don't seem to be taking advantage of this, and I suspect that there's a point of pride in there, that uh, people want to make their own food. Uh, you know, People feel like they have to make their own baby food or cook, like that's something that will give you a gold star or something like that. 
I think I eventually gave up on that because there was so much good food available and really microwaving your dinner is okay. You can get really, really great healthful dinners at the grocery store, at Trader Joe's, Whole Foods, Sprouts. So it's really okay, right? It doesn't have to be that, remember, we're not trying to win mother or dad of the year. We're just trying to feed our kids really well. And this brings up another point is that We have to be careful about comparing ourselves to other people. So we think, oh, that mom, you know, she she cooks every night, she makes the kids lunches. You know, that life may be appropriate for her, but not for you. It also may not be real. So comparing ourselves to other people or what our fantasy of what other people are like or what they appear to be like on social media could be a real pitfall. It just may not be realistic. So this is kind of a joke, but you might want to compare yourself to a place that's really disadvantageous, like Africa or someplace where the kids are really not in good shape. And so ask yourself, are your kids walking around half naked? Are they starved? Are they at risk for terrible diseases? If they're reasonably well-nourished, reasonably clothed, vaccinated, have good schools and lots of options available to them, then you are doing a great job as a parent. Really great, right? Your kids really have an opportunity to contribute to the world and have a wonderful life. So pat yourself on the back for that. Yeah, I think there's kind of a expectation sometimes that we set up for ourselves. Like I have to do certain things. I have to make my own baby food. I have to sew my kids' own Halloween costumes. I certainly uh, fell prey to that. Have to create my kids' own birthday cakes. And uh, this is another one that I fell prey to. So when my kindergartner uh, had a birthday, I created this very elaborate cake that was a whole bunch of train cars in a row, and each of the little train cars was individually decorated and baked and had a different flavor so everybody could have a different kind of cake. That was my thinking at the time. Of course, it took quite a while to make the cake, and I was busy, so it was an undertaking. But I was very proud of it, and I still enjoy seeing the photos of uh, that very fancy cake come up. I have a friend now who's become a very good friend over the years, but at that time, she didn't know me particularly well, but she and her son were invited to the birthday party. And she says now that she came in and looked at that cake. She was also a working mother, and she thought to herself, that is ridiculous. And you know, In a way, she's right. It was a little ridiculous. It is how I wanted to spend my time. And so maybe it wasn't ridiculous for me at that time because it's what I cared about. And one more story for you here. Another time my fourth grader came home and announced on Saturday morning that he had this huge 3D model project that he had to turn in on Monday. And it was something that they were supposed to have been working on, obviously, for weeks. But I wasn't paying attention to that. I, you know, that wasn't how I wanted to spend my time to monitor my kids' homework assignments. And I remember learning what this project was and how significant it was and how important it was. And I remember snapping at him, I don't have time for this. And you know, 
It turns out I did have time for it. We went to Michael's, we bought a whole bunch of materials, we made this fantastic model of one of the battles of the Revolutionary War, the Battle of Dorchester Heights. It's this fantastic model that we still have. And all that, all told, I probably ended up spending, with the two of us, probably ended up spending about 40 hours making that model. And I think about that often now, how I said, I don't have time for this. And what really what I meant was, I haven't planned for this. I have other things that I wanted to do instead of spending 40 hours on this model. But in retrospect, I'm really glad I spent that time. It was a fantastic opportunity for us to work together and create something really remarkable. So when it comes to work-life balance, I think a lot of it's individual A lot of it comes down to ourselves, determining how we want to spend our time and adjusting our standards or adjusting our have-tos and focusing on what will be important in the long run. I don't know if this has been very helpful, but I did want to share a few of my stories and things that seemed to help me as I went along. That's it, everybody. You've made it through another episode of Dear Discreet Guide, Trouble at Work. In keeping with the new year, we'll be changing our format somewhat as the show has evolved. We'll continue to address work-related problems, but in our second year, we'll be going beyond just an advice show to talk about work trends, labor laws, economics, interesting companies, as well as pranks, bad bosses, and more screw-ups at work. If you have a question about a work-related issue or a comment about the show, please get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us through the website discreetguide.com. That's D-I-S-C-R-E-E-T. And at that website, you can also sign up for The Pergola, a digital publication that comes out every other month, and get information about training programs, books, consulting sessions, articles, jokes, and resources, all for us to work better together. Thank you for joining my quest to improve our workplaces. And thanks for listening. New shows will be available every Tuesday and sometimes Friday. Tune in so you can hear more about trouble at work.